You're listening to the 1208 Podcast from 1208 Greenwood Free Methodist Church in downtown Jackson, Michigan. sharing with you guys today and um, you get to be on the roller coaster of a message that's been swirling in my mind for weeks um, and has taken about five or six different iterations of what the focus would be including this morning so uh, buckle up get excited uh, give me grace and, um, yeah, may God be glorified by uh, a message that I feel like he has for me as an individual, because I think when we preach and teach and share, it's always um, a word for ourselves, um, but I think he has it for our church as well. So, um, if you have been around me for any length of time, you know that I love talking about church unity. Um, I think it's really important, and I care deeply about it. Um, My background story deals a lot with church disunity uh, because of denominations, and so maybe that's part of it. Uh, But more than anything, I see in Scripture um, that we're called to be one, right? So um, we're going to start with a passage in John 17, which um, is on the screen for us. Um, And I'll I'll give you a little bit of context in case you're um, not familiar with this one. So in John chapter 17, um, we have Jesus praying um, in the Garden of Gethsemane. And um, if you can see the slide, that's um, from... The Garden of Gethsemane today. There's a tree. Um, So it's a real place. Jesus was praying. And in his prayer, there are three main chunks. He prays for himself, um, kind of like, let this pass. But if not, you know, he has this wrestle. Um, And then he goes on to pray for his disciples. And then the last section, which is a section that has always just um, captured my imagination. um, he, He says this. I do not ask for these only, but also for those who will believe in me through their word. That's everybody, everyone who believes, I guess, through the word of the disciples that went forth um, across generations. That they may all be one, just as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. The glory that you have given me, I have given to them, and that they may be one, even as we are one, I in them and you in me, that they may become perfectly one, so that the world may know that you sent me and loved them even as you loved me. And then it goes on to say at the end of the chapter, I made known to them your name, and I will continue to make it known that the love with which you have loved me may be in them and I in them. So that's incredible, right? 
First, and base level, the Savior that we proclaim, that we want to draw near to, that we love, that we um, say we do this whole life for, prayed a prayer for you. Maybe you've heard it said, like, Jesus was thinking of you when he was on the cross. Yeah, and before that, and he was praying for you, and he was praying for the other people that share this Christian walk with you. And his prayer was for unity, and his prayer was for love. Um, And you can see, he doesn't explicitly say, you know, the Holy Spirit, um, the counselor, the one I'm sending, or anything like that. But you can see, um, I will continue to make your your name known to them. So that that promise that um, Jesus is um, going to continue cultivating a relationship with us. So, Um, There are a few takeaways from this passage. First of all, I've already said it. He prayed for us. That is really, really amazing. And it grounds me every day in in knowing that. Um, But the prayer of unity is, is so specific and so strong that it just shows me how important it is. It's not just like that they would be united, right? It's like as united as I am with you and I'm in you and you're in me and we're, you're in me and I'm in you. And he goes on and it's like you feel it in the language that he uses almost in this poem as he's praying and pouring his heart out before the Father, that weaving, right? Do you feel it? It's like a tongue twister. It's hard to read in front of everybody. Um, but that is the, the level of unity that Jesus wants for us as a body and the level of unity that Jesus wants for us within the community of God. We're invited to join a community with the Trinity. Um, maybe you've heard it said that before the creation of time, God had perfect unity. There wasn't, he wasn't lacking. There wasn't a need for us. God wasn't lonely or anything like that. Uh, we were made to be invited in to that goodness, that unity, that trinity. And by the Holy Spirit deposited in our hearts, we, we can be. And so that's really profound. So, I mean... It's, it's tightly woven. Think of something like a rug or, I don't know, something that's just really, really tightly woven that you just can't even find the threads. It's that close, y'all. Um, and that is as one as we are supposed to be with one another. But there's a clause, kind of like a, and here's why. Um, the here's why is so that the world would know that the Father sent the Son. Yeah? So that's a pretty good motivation to lean into this, right? We, we pray week after week, and we paint it on our wall in Jackson as in heaven. We want the world to know that the Father sent the Son. Well... There's a little blueprint going on here. Um, We see those themes of unity, love, the promise that Jesus will continue to make things known to us. And we 
we can rest in that. Um, so I wrote down, isn't that tremendous? Like, what good news? Look, like, not only this, but it's like Jesus says, I'm going to continue to make it known, and I'm in them, and I'm doing this. And it's almost, if you read back through it, you can see, like, Jesus saying, I'm going to do this. I got it handled. Like, I'm going to give the Holy Spirit, and they're going to be so one that everyone's going to know. And it's just like, okay, cool. We've got it. It's done. Like, it's super easy that Jesus is going to give us the Spirit, keep making his love known to us, keep unifying us, and then the world will know that the Father sent the Son and loved them. And it's like, this is awesome. Mission accomplished. Um, But there's only one problem, (coughs) which is in the spiritual realm, which is where our struggle lies, not in flesh and blood, um, that's quite a threat, right? If God's going to do everything in and of himself through the work of the Holy Spirit, um, that's going to make some waves, right? And a lot of us have felt and sensed the Spirit moving um, in recent weeks. And a lot of us have felt and sensed pressure and darkness and frustration in recent weeks. Well, why is that? It's because it's a threat. If God's going to do all the work and humanity can't get in the way, like, that's a threat. So the powers that be around us, they see... um, our weakness, because we're human. We have these this dual spirit, our own um, humanity within us, and we have um, the Holy Spirit deposited within us. And our humanity, our sin, our pride, um, our weakness, insecurity, shortcomings, all these things can be exploited, and then we don't let God, through the Holy Spirit, do this unity thing that Jesus prayed over us in John 17. And, you know, it's almost like Paul and the other New Testament writers knew this would be a problem. It's almost, I mean, call me crazy, but it's almost like they knew we wouldn't let the Holy Spirit just handle everything and we would yield, right? And so if you read through most of the New Testament, um, you see countless words of Paul and others admonishing us of how to behave in Christian community. Um, You see, let's see, we can, yeah. I was like, which one should I pick? There's a million, right? So let's let's take a brief look. I promised myself that for your sake, I wouldn't read the entire New Testament this morning um, because that would take a long time. But there's a lot of good there. But these are the passages um, I want to offer to you and some brief summaries that you can uh, then do your own further reading. But these are just ones that have come on my heart over the past weeks. Um, so in 1 Thessalonians 5, 11 through 24, um, we see themes of, and this is what you see on screen and what I'm about to read uh, is not, this is like a summary. 
Um, encourage each other. Hold leaders in high esteem. Help the faint and weak-hearted. Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. Don't quench the spirit or despise prophecy. God is faithful and will sanctify us. Those are good words. Those are challenging words. We should rest in those. Lean into those. See if we're abiding by those. And we see in Ephesians 4, walk worthy in the manner which you've been called with all humility and gentleness. We, it goes on, you see themes of unity, new creation life, letting go of anger and bitterness, be kind and tenderhearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. You see those themes of repentance and humility and all of that. Um, 1 Timothy 6, 17 through 19, um, it's essentially in that passage talks about like, rather than being rich and haughty or proud, um, like, be humble, be rich in good deeds and take hold of that which is truly life. That's one of my favorite um, phrases. Like, take hold of that which is truly life. Life, it's there for us. And then all of Galatians, but especially Galatians 5 and 6, um, we have uh, a famous freedom passage. It says, you, my brothers and sisters, were, be, were called to be free, but don't use your freedom to indulge the sinful nature. Rather, serve one another humbly in love. Um, and then it goes on, and we see the fruit of the Spirit. Um, and then in 6.2, it says, bear one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. We know what that is. You know, the law of Christ. Love your neighbor as yourself, you know. Um, so there's so much there. There's so much richness. Um, but it's not easy, though. And it's not like a one-time checklist thing. It's Instead, it's a heart posture thing, right? It's a walking together in faith and unity. And... Um, It just takes work, and it takes intentionality. So I have, um, as this was all stirring, and I went to sleep, and it was a hot mess, um, I prayed, like, Lord, give it a little bit of clarity, because we know we need that. Um, We know we need that. And um, God is faithful, and for me, uh, God uses dreams sometimes to give just um, an image that helps me make sense of the reality around me. Um, And so that's what God did this morning. Um, So I had this dream. Um, Fun fact, my core 100 freshmen are often the subjects of my dream because they email me at random hours, which is fine. My phone's usually on do not disturb. Um, But then, so their name is like the last thing I see before I go to bed. And then they're the main character in the dream. So um, in this dream, um, there is uh, a person, a female, she's um, in the water. So you can see we have a dock. We're going to call this dream the dock and the snake. Okay. Um, This was this morning in like the five, six o'clock hour. So in this dream, we have a girl and she is standing to the right, just beyond the dock. And the water is shallow enough that you can pretty much kind of see what's happening there, right? And maybe like eight, I don't know, six, eight feet beyond the dock is where there's a boat. 
So you can see that this student or this person, this whomever, is she wants to go somewhere. We all want to go somewhere. We want this church to go somewhere, right? So she wants to go somewhere, and she is trying with all her might to get where she wants to go. She wants to get in the boat, and she wants to move forward, okay? Also in this dream, there's like a crowd. Um, Imagine, if you will, the dock kind of bends and goes around, and there's a crowd standing on the dock. And we are watching. You're in the crowd now. I'm in the crowd now. We're watching her, and we're watching her struggle. Now, her struggle that we're experiencing from our vantage point um, isn't um, only with a snake, which I believe is representative of the spiritual realm um, and darkness. And, you know, we see the serpent theme throughout scripture. But her shoes are getting caught, caught in the muck, which is just a natural reality. She's about twisting her ankle on some rocks as she's trying to do this thing. And, like, waves are coming. These are just natural realities that we struggle with, right? Um, But then all the while, there's this snake. And it's not like a nice, happy little water snake that just wants to be near her. (laughs) It's like a I-want-to-chomp-your-legs kind of snake. This is what I was dreaming about for you all this morning, right? Um, and it's got its fangs out and it's coming at her. It's trying to chop her legs. And we are all, we are all just saying, on your right, <laughs> on your left, be careful. Oh, it's coming. Hey, you got it, girl. Like, you can do this thing. Um, and we are offering encouragement. Scripture tells us to do that, right? Scripture tells us to offer one another encouragement. Um, she is struggling. And I noticed something in her struggle, though. She didn't ask anybody on this dock. We are all, like, within 10 feet of where she is standing. She didn't ask anybody for help. She could have said, can somebody get in here with me? Or, y'all look pretty safe up there. How about you come in the water? You know, she could have extended that invitation. Come a little deeper. Sometimes we neglect to call one another deeper in faith. She could have done that. She could have raised her hands and said, I'm fed up. She didn't do that. She could have said, the boat's just too far for me. Can somebody carry me there? She could have said, can someone bring the boat closer for me? When we intercede, for one another in prayer. That's something we do. We bring Christ closer. She could have done that. Now, the dream progresses. Um, She gets bit by a snake. I wake up. It doesn't matter. But the fact does matter. She never reached out, and nobody reached in. She didn't have the vulnerability and humility to say, like, I have burdens, bear them with me. Now, how many of you have ever had a burden? We have them sometimes. And you're like, oh, man, this is a struggle. And you muscle through, and you muscle through, and you muscle through, and you muscle through. 
And then the next time you like happen to bump into a friend and they check on you, you say, last week was hard. Yeah, I see that hand. Last week was hard. Well, what's the problem with that? I can't jump into your last week. I can't help your last week. We can't help each other in the past. We have to share. We have to be humble enough and vulnerable enough to share one another's burdens, to share our own burdens so we can bear one another's burdens. And that involves the present. And it's kind of messy sometimes. I know for me, this is something that I don't always do, um, but I know every single time, and I believe it's because of God's faithfulness, every single time I reach out to say that, not that I was struggling last week, but that I am struggling right now, um, God uses his people. God uses um, those of you in this room, other friends from across the country or whatever to say, Okay, well, let's bring the boat closer. (laughs) Or here, I know how to swim. Like, I'll help you. Um, Or anything like that. And suddenly, my burden that seemed so big and gigantic, it's not big and gigantic anymore. Like, wow, I'm in the boat. And I'm reminded of God's faithfulness and God's goodness and God loves me and hallelujah. And I can press on in the fight that I'm called to press on in, and that brings brings me peace. And then I can walk in that and move forward. Otherwise, I get stuck. We stay stuck so long and so often with our feet in the muck and the snake attacking us and we're rolling our ankles on the rocks because we won't just say, hey, here now, right, right in this minute, I'm struggling. And so... We'll end with this, I think. Um, It's the hinge point, right? It's what it all comes down to because it's how relationships work and need to work, which is humility and vulnerability. And this is in our own relationships with one another. Um, It looks like the present reach out Um, But it's in our relationships with God, too. We can say, um, Lord, I'm a mess, and I don't believe anything you've ever said good about me, and help me. And um, God cares a lot, and will meet you in that place. Um, I wasn't planning on sharing this, but I have, um, there's a passage that says we overcome, it's in Revelation, so it's about the dragon. But uh, by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. So I'm going to share a little short testimony. Um, I was struggling really bad this week because, again, the Holy Spirit is on the move, right? And so I was in a mind storm of who knows what. And I just was like feeling all the, the negative feelings of loneliness and unwanted and all the things, right? And so I was like, God, can just one person text me first today? I feel so sad. And, you know, 
there's room for that, we can bring that before God. And that's a hard and humble place to be. It's a place of faith, but it's hard. <laughs> and, um, but that's where I was. So I reached out to God. I also reached out to some friends um, in a, a prayer thread that we have. And I was just like, I'm struggling, hi. And they were like, we got you, we'll pray for you. Um, the day went on, the Lord drew me, drew me, drew me near. And um, I felt encouraged. Had not received a text message, though, yet. And I was, it was one of those silly prayers that you're like, okay, but it could happen. Um, and then it did. I was preparing lunch for my boys, and I got a text message from an unknown number. With a, it had a picture of my family. I didn't know the person. It's okay. And it was just like, hey, um, I love this photo of your family. And um, God uses you, and I see, like, basically, it was as if the Lord's saying, you're seen, you're known, you're loved. I promise. <laughs> and God used a person to do that, right? Um, really cool. Then three other first text messages come in throughout the day because for some reason I needed an extra, and God is gracious. And so that's just an example of we can be humble and vulnerable in the here, in the physical, in our tangible relationships with one another, those that we can, you know, hold hands with. But we can also be humble and vulnerable in our spiritual relationship um, with God. And both are necessary for good fruit, right? Um, this passage here on the screen is James um, 1, 19 through 21, but before I, before I read it, it says, it's bound to get messy, it just is. I gotta get that out there, like, we're growing, Holy Spirit's moving, it's just gonna get messy, and that's okay, it really, 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 really is okay. Um, but the passage says this, know this, my beloved brothers, let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, Slow to anger, for the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Therefore, put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness, and receive with meekness the implanted word, which is able to save your souls. I want to end with this because of that last part, and I I pulled it in um, the message as well, because it was really extra pretty. Um, For those of you who are visual. It says this, in simple humility, let our gardener, God, landscape you with the word, making a salvation garden of your life. God does that and will do that for you on an individual level, but he will also use the corporate body of Christ to do those things. And it's in that humility that 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 work will be accomplished. Um, In the midst of my uh, mind storm of yuckiness, I reached out to a mentor friend to catch lunch. And um, he said yes, and so we had a good lunch together. But he shared this simple truth. He said, humility is not a fruit of the Spirit. And I probably knew that. I love the fruit of the Spirit. I could recite them. There's nine of them. We know it. Our kids, some of them know it. Um, By heart, you can ask them. Um, 
But he was like, humility is not a fruit of the spirit. It's a posture of the heart that like you put before God and then the spirit grows the fruit. Obvious stuff. Um, but it stood out to me a little bit extra as I was preparing for this message that it's where we need to begin. It's the antithesis of sin because sin is pride and putting ourselves in, you know, in the place of God. And so, um, you know, the famous passage in Philippians 2, um, your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus, who, being very nature God, didn't consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing. Like, it's all, you see, it's weaving again. This is what it does for me. It's also tightly connected that it, we just need to have a right view of ourselves and be humble before one another, before God, and let let the Holy Spirit work its work His goodness, tend the garden, and bring forth the fruit. Um, none of the Spirit-filled Christian life is possible or sustainable without a posture of humility. Um, it's just not. <laughs> That's just a reality. And I want to be clear that that means for those of us who are here today in this room, but I firmly believe that God is, has gone before us and is going to grow us in number. Um, and it doesn't stop with just the people that you feel like measurably comfortable with because you've spent a length of time with them. This um, call for us to be united with one another, to be humble, to be vulnerable, um, it's for the whole global corporate body of Christ. Um, so as people come, as you go about your life and you are with uh, people who believe Christ um, and are part of that body, know that it's, it needs to be there too. And um, I believe that God is faithful that when we do those things, um, he will make himself known and the world will know that the Father sent the Son, which is what we're here for. That's what it's all about. And um, I was so grateful that you shared your dream, Jamin, because um, we see that picture of someone struggling and childhood Jamin could have just struggled in torment and not said anything. But then the simple solution that someone else was able to offer wouldn't have been found. And so be humble, be vulnerable, lean in, allow one another to pray for you. Um, and just let's do this thing, you know? It's gonna be messy and awkward, but that's okay. God is faithful and he'll bring it to pass. So let me pray for you. God, you are so, so good and you care a whole lot about your church, your bride, your body, um, and that we would be one as an expression of the love of the Father and the truth that the Father sent the Son. That's what you're all about. You prayed that over us um, during your earthly time. Um, in flesh, and you continue to bring that to pass over us um, by your spirit. Help us to catch hold of that. Help us to walk in humility before one another, 
and before you so that it can be brought to full fruition, um, that you may be made manifest, that the world would know that, that you love them. In Jesus' name, amen.